Cuphead and all hope listeners, you're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi folks, old man Grognard here. Happy Thursday. I got a game tonight. Got a Mythgarther game tonight. It's going to be with the new group. That's going to be fun. Hope you're all doing well, by the way. And let's see, I was going to talk about dungeon, dungeon generation things like Appendix A and the DMG, but I think I've already talked about that. I'm not sure. I've got Central Casting Dungeons. I've got Ultimate Toolbox and Toe Adventure Design, which is more like, more like stocking the dungeon rather than, you know, making the dungeon. And I'll get to stocking here in a minute. I surprised. I've talked about these books before, Table Fables and Table Fables 2 by Madeline Hale. These are available on, these aren't, you know, you don't get them from like DriveThruRPG or some, you know, the other places. You get them through Amazon. And there's no PDF, they're just books. And they're all tables, which is cool with me. And, but the second book has actually dungeon. How to, you know, how to roll up a dungeon. And it looks very simple and very easy. And I think I will try that. Now, let's talk about stocking the dungeon a little bit. How do you stock a dungeon? I tend to focus on the monsters and the treasure. Well, I should focus more about the treasure, but I focus a lot on the monsters. You know, I try to take... You know, I don't do generic very well, because if I come up with an adventure, I want it to fit in the adventure. I don't want these hoo-ha traps that happen, or monsters that really shouldn't be there, or something like that. So I, I put a little thought into it. And there's also the amount of stuff you put in there. I forget who it was. Gary or Gary Gygax or somebody used to say there should be a certain percentage of empty rooms in a dungeon. Well, I kind of subscribe to that. But since my dungeons are kind of cut down and I tend to do smaller dungeons, I like to do smaller, several smaller dungeons that are rather one big dungeon. That's why I like the idea of the five room dungeon. That's that's a really good thing. And aside from drawing the dungeon, you got to stock it, and it makes it a lot easier to stock it. In fact, if you want to do, say, a 12-room dungeon, and you just roll up the dungeon as usual and then take it in five-room chunks, and you can relate these to each other. That's the easy part about it. So you would you would take it and I forget I forget how they do it. There's the entrance. There's the the problem. There's a I forget how you do a five room dungeon. Look it up on the internet. But stocking the dungeon, you got to think about the monsters I'm using. Just like the adventure, these are the monsters I'm using. These are and also it helps to look at the random encounter table for the area you're in, because that will give you a clue what's there. That'll give you a clue that what you can use in there. Now, tricks and traps. Not crazy about tricks. I, I like a good trap every once in a while, but they're few and far between in my in my mind. So you've got to come up. I like to come up with something. Sometimes it's just like, oh, there's a pit. You you miss the pit, and usually it's a a shallow pit. But every once in a while, I like to change it up. So oh, it's a ten foot pit. You're gonna have to figure out how to get out of there. My friend Matt likes to do puzzles. Puzzles to me are, oh, I don't know, as long as you can relate it to the adventure and not just have a puzzle or a riddle for puzzle or riddle's sake. Rizzle, riddles are a biatch to do. 
So, in fact, I've seen there's game books out there of nothing but riddles. These riddles for your dungeon. You can probably find a drive through IPD. Just type in, like, riddles and things like that. Traps, I don't mind the, the usual, you know, Parcullis or, as I said, the Pit or something like that. I'm I'm working on the finale of our Stashing Swordsman game right now, and I've got a couple of pretty good tricks up my sleeve I think the players will enjoy. I'm not going to say anything about it because some of them listen to this, this podcast. So I am not going to tip my hand. But I do stuff like, you know, you can do little stuff. Tripwires. Um, a spell goes off if they blow the the lockpick roll. They get sprayed in the face with something. Rocks fall. I mean, I've had I I I pretty much killed a character in a few sessions ago, and they managed to to save him at the last minute because part of the ceiling collapsed because it was old, and you know it was just it collapsed, and it was just you know the luck of the dice. Those are traps, things like that. I like. I also like if I'm going to go for man-made stuff. I tend to do a lot of caves and caverns because, I, like I said, the idea of a a facility underground is not something you see every day. And it's just, it, it's easier if you can make it plausible, man-made things like, I like to use things like abandoned mines. That's plausible. A basement of a place in a city with, has a sewer system. That's plausible to me. Yes, if there's a mad mage who wants to just go underground and leave, tell everybody to leave me alone, you know, and you'll have, and not all dungeons are underground. The standard wizard's tower, yes, it may have a dungeon level, and there may be a lot more rooms in there, but you're also going to have the tower to deal with. So, there's that. And as far as, like I said, stocking the dungeons, I would look at the amount of monsters you want to do, and maybe cut it down by a third. That's what I usually do, because I always pick too many things. And what I'm talking about is not the amount of the monsters, but the types of monsters you're using. I pull out 12 monsters, and I have a group of four, say, and I pull out 12 monsters. Well, I can get rid of about three of them, and it'd still be a viable dungeon. And once again, this is where this is where your random encounter table really comes in handy, because not only can you roll a random encounter table inside the dungeon, or wherever the whatever the area is, roll the one for um, for the wilderness because some of those critters are going to find themselves down there. They're going to find their way down there. And not only that, but it will give you good ideas for like traps and things like that, and just plot stuff. Why is this thing here? How did it wander over here? Is there a reason? Is it an intelligent creature? Is it something like a goblinoid that's going to build a? Usually, it's a, they build a, a, a base, a, tri, a home, or something like that in, in the thing. And reclaim stuff. You may have a bad wizard who died, and you know, you've got monsters moving in, a tower, a things that need to be cleared out. And so, you know, you got to consider the history of the dungeon, too. History of those caves. Maybe there's cave, like the Caves of Chaos. Hey! <laughs> Maybe they got... Maybe they, they've got these caves that people used to, like, hide for, like, romantic tete-a-tetes outside of town or something like that. It might be like a, 
you know, a lover's a lover's lane or something. You could do that. Lost tribes of say Neanderthal men who got driven out of their area into these caves. And things like that. And you know, you're gonna have to you can deal with that. So you think about what the cave what the cave, what the dungeon is for. Think about what monsters will be there. Look at those encounters and then pick your monsters and then edit them down to something reasonable. Now, I'm saying get rid of about a third of them. But what I'm saying is get rid of about the type of monsters, not the amount of monsters. Because you can knock your list down by a third and still have multiples of, of stuff. If you have, If you want to keep the giant spider, okay, make it two giant spiders. If you want to keep the... If you want to keep the goblins, okay, there's a group of five goblins, or maybe there's ten goblins, or something like that. You know, think in multiples. Think think in multiples, especially in the lower levels. So, and also, you've got to think about the rooms. The rooms themselves, okay, yes, about a third of the rooms should be empty, which is easy to do. But empty rooms can hold clues to things, because... To me, an empty room is never completely empty. It, it, there's got to be some trace of something, whether it's on the walls or somebody left something behind or, you know, hey, look, here's a dried turnip. You know, where did that come from? That kind of thing. And you've you got to think of your basic things like bunk rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and labs and, you know, your standard stuff. So you may make a list of what the standard rooms are here and maybe add a few rooms that you don't know what they are, but you can come up with something later. Or, or rooms that you just think, well, this character would have this. He'd have a summoning room because he deals with demons and you know, things like that. So that's something to think about. I'm going to go start my day. So I would like to thank you for listening, and if you want to talk to me about this or anything else, you can drop me an email at oldmangrodnardgmail.com. I'll read it here. Or you can drop off a, mess- a voice message at Anchor in any in any format, in any, any platform you have. And as little as 99 cents a month, you can support this program, and I would thank you. And thank you to my supporters, Jonathan Dorja Wendell, Jessen, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Suarez, and Mark C. Walring. And don't forget to listen to Mark's podcast, The Yawning Owlbear. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.